2: Learn more at marines.com. Welcome to United Hour, your one-stop shop for all things Manchester United. I'm your host, Nick. And I'm Ashwin. Yeah, two of us convening here. We are in the afternoon after a kind of epic game against Barcelona. Uh, who needs the Champions League, right, Ashwin? I mean, yeah, biggest biggest <laughs> European game of the season so far, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, that, that's, it, was, it was the best game this week in Europe, for sure. Like, it was it was a phenomenal, phenomenal match.
2: Yeah, definitely. And look, obviously, two teams who want to be in the Champions League. But uh, the game had top quality all over it. And yeah, it was, a, it was a really good one. But yeah, we will be talking in depth on this one about that Barcelona game. We also have the two Leeds games to chat about. Uh, We did want to record over the weekend, but it didn't really happen. So we've got three matches we will be covering in this show. And then, yeah, obviously looking ahead to what's coming as usual, because, yeah, we just have such a ridiculous fixture list lately. There's like a game every other day nowadays, so finding when to record and all is not easy. Um, But, yeah, look, let's get straight into that Barca game. I mean, I was kind of like, I wouldn't say I was super confident about it, even though we're in good form. Uh, they're obviously in top, top form, top of La Liga going away over there. And I just thought that our kind of, you know, I've been saying it for weeks that at some point I keep worrying that our crazy fixture list is going to catch up with us. But Eric Ten Hag seems to get these boys just rolling on and on and on and each time surprising us and pulling out better and better results.
1: Yeah, uh, I I wouldn't, I would say I felt the same. I'm always like nervous for these big European fixtures though. And I mean, I know it's Europa League, but because of obviously the opponent it's a bigger match. Um but I think it says something about where we are reg- I, honestly regardless of whether we advance or not um, but it says something about where we are as a group under Ten Hag where I mean you look at the start of the season right they lose to Brent they lose to Brighton 2 one at home and then they lose to Brentford in that dreadful 4-0 away and you feel like you're miles miles off of anything competitive. Uh, and then you look at yesterday. Well, I mean, the first half, it's kind of back and forth. Honestly, we could have scored inside the first 20 seconds. Bruno plays a ball right across the six-yard line, and Fred is the only one that's even trying to get on the end of it. Um, but it's kind of seesaw the first first half. Then they score off a set piece. And I don't remember us ever reacting as well as we have to that in Europe. I don't remember the last time, where it was like an immediate reaction. And quite honestly we were the better side over the 90 minutes um and to do that against a team that's top of la liga i know they went out in the group stage in champions league but they're playing at a much better level right now i uh, didn't i think they just thrashed madrid a, a few weeks ago um but yeah i mean to do that in their you know in their stadium is it, it says a lot and um you know you're without like he's doing it with these weird Kind of oddball choices, which I'm not sure are good or bad, but I think I like that he's willing to try things. You know, he has Weghorst at the 10, and he's playing, uh, you know, Bruno on the right. And I thought it was a big call for him to start Juan Bissaka over Dalo, but I actually thought that was the right call because I thought Dalo still looked a little bit off of it defensively against Leeds. Um, but like he's making big calls. He's willing to try things, right? Shaw at center back. I, I didn't even. I honestly didn't even think of that because he's been doing it for a while now. But Shaw at center back, Malassia at left back, uh, it feels like not only is he willing to try things, but he's also really good at integrating players into being part of the squad. And so when a player goes out and we have to shuffle things around, it feels a lot more cohesive because we're they're playing their part within a system, whereas you know previously it was a lot of like, well, we need Bruno to come up with... with with the goods because that's the way we score goals and we need, it just seems a lot more cohesive. Obviously the fact that Rashford is an amazing forum helps, but you know, it's not like chances aren't being created for others either. So I just can't say enough. I thought it was a really, really good performance, not a perfect performance, but you know, it was like we went to their building and we, we had a proper go. Like it wasn't, you know, we didn't sit back and just try to counter them. we were, trying to play progressively out of the back, trying to take take the ball, play through the lines. Um, and, you know, even under Ole, when we came back against PSG, right, that was just like a proper sit back, soak up pressure, hit on the counter type of performance, wait for a mistake. This was just way more progressive and way, much, way more of, you know, uh, what you kind of see from the top teams in Europe nowadays where, you know, we've seen this with At- Atletico, right? Like Simeone can't get results anymore in Europe and it's because you need to do more than just be able to soak up pressure and hit teams on the counter and I think we're seeing how he's developing a side that's capable of doing that.
2: Yeah look absolutely and that like you say this has been the impressive thing especially about this kind of run of games because you know there's been certain players out from suspension there's been big injuries with Ericsson for example in particular and yeah we still kept rolling on with whatever team he puts out there. Um, I mean, we did have less possession, but you're always going to have less possession against Barcelona at the new Camp. But in terms of kind of chances, in terms of shots, it was pretty equal. And on the XG, I mean, it's showing that we're unlucky. I mean, uh, it's at 1.3 Barcelona, 2.1 Manchester United. So we're actually the ones that should be upset uh, to be coming away with a kind of draw here. And I also the mentality, you know, after this game, I saw Marcus Rashford, and he said, yeah, this feels like a loss. We were winning 2-1. We're, you know, we're not happy about it. Whereas maybe a couple of years ago, we would have been celebrating getting a draw in the new camp. You would have you even heard somebody like, oh, it's a good result.
1: You know, it, it, even Ten Hag, I forgot what he said exactly, but I think he said something like, we have to go do it like, at Old Trafford now. And I just think like it's not we we need to or we should, it's we have to. It's almost like a... Like a you're an expectation, right? And I, I like that they asked him something about the second leg, and he was like, I'm not thinking about that right now. I'm thinking about playing Leicester on Sunday. Um, I just think the the focus, and, you know, like, words are words, but you can see that, that those words are translating to that type of focus and, you know, determination on the pitch.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like I say, that shift in mentality, even when players are missing and we're still pulling out big results in this kind of run of games, Uh, is, you know, it's amazing. The job he's done in the short amount of time is incredible. Uh, I mean, if we look at some of the particular things that went on in this game, like, you know, I kind of agree with you that the first half, I thought we started really well and were unlucky uh, not to do a bit better with a couple of chances. Then Barcelona kind of came into it and at halftime, you were kind of comfortable that nil-nil was about right. Uh, You know, it was an absolute killer than early in the second half to lose that goal on a set piece. You know, you don't mind if you lose to some great play or something like that. But to give away a goal on a set piece was kind of a bit hard to take.
1: Yeah, I, I actually, I, you know, I, I know what you're saying. It it always sucks to give up a goal on a set piece. But, like, if there's any one person to blame, which I really, I mean, there's always multiple players, I would say maybe most De Gea should probably cover that at the near post. I think even if you asked him, he would probably say that. But, like I thought it was just a really well worked set piece. If you watch it, Fred is marking he's not marking Alonzo. Alonso comes in, Malaysia's marking him from the other side, and then he comes into Fred's zone. So Fred's overloaded, and then he has to kind of go back and mark him. He's already lost a step. And they are and Juan Bisaka has like two guys in front of him. It was it's one of those where it's like you can blame players, but I think it was just a actually a very well-worked set piece. And I was, you know, again, like if I was going to blame somebody it would probably be here but you know sometimes it just it is what it is i i i was mad we gave up the goal but i wasn't necessarily like the second goal was more annoying to me than that one but yeah we'll get to that
2: <laughs> yeah but yeah as you just said before the kind of reaction and just literally took 2 minutes for us to be back in this game was massive uh and, you know marcus rashford is just on such an absolute ridiculous run of form Uh, You know, I saw, I think the stat went out on Twitter as we said, since November, Marcus Rashford has scored 18 goals. Chelsea, as an entire club, have only scored six goals in the same amount of time. Uh, I mean, part of that is actually to do with our ridiculous fixture list again and how many games we've played in that time compared to other teams. Some other teams have literally only played about half the amount of games we have. So have Chelsea spent like over £100 million per goal? (laughs) <laughs> something like that. It's something like that. And, you know, after all the money they spent, they didn't actually buy a striker, which is what they kind of needed the most, I thought at the time. But, yeah, you know, it's always nice to keep laughing at Chelsea. They're not coming anywhere near us at the moment. And then, of course, not only did we go 1 1 up within like another, you know, seven minutes, we're actually 2 1 up. And again, amazing mm-hmm. work from Marcus Rashford. Uh, I was actually sat watching this in a bar with a couple of friends, and my friend was saying, "No, what on earth is Rashford doing taking this corner? We don't want him out there." Oh. And then promptly he smashes one in, and the goal comes right from there. So you're like, "All right, yeah, that's exactly what he's doing from this corner." Um, he, sk- he skinned him. That was he just had him on toast there.
1: That was oh my god. And it's like <laughs> they they only had one person out there. It was just Rafinha, right? So they didn't even they didn't even have the kind of like respect to send a second player out there so it was just Rashford and Shaw 2v1 on him and Rashford absolutely I mean it could have just been 1v1 it didn't need Shaw he just roasted
2: him no and it has been amazing and plus you know Rashford is having to kind of adapt now because he we've I've always said and I think we've all always said that his best position is on the left side and now all of a sudden Ten Hag is taking a few kind of options looking at a few things he's bought Weghorst as you say a bit kind of deeper, almost playing behind Rashford. And Rashford is now quite clearly... He's not playing properly centre-forward, but he is our most advanced player. Uh, And it doesn't seem to be, you know, hurting him at all. He's come in with another goal and an assist, even though it doesn't officially go down as assist because it's a non-goal. But yeah, a goal and assist I'm putting down for Rashford here. And that first goal, you know, in that near post, maybe again the goalie might feel he should save it there but that's just the kind of form Rashford is in at the moment. Smashing one in in the smallest of kind of spaces at your near post is pretty incredible. Uh, You know, there's a lot of chat now about what kind of level can Marcus Rashford hit? Uh, I don't know if you saw that on Red Cafe, somebody bumped like a three-year-old thread where it was Darmian at the time, and this was three years ago, said that Marcus Rashford has got everything in his locker to be reaching like Ballon d'Or levels with the likes of Mbappe and all that. You know, they were the other young players coming up. So it is always funny to see things that were said two, kind of three years ago. And obviously in the meantime, you know, Rashford had an awful season last year. But, you know, we kept supporting him on this podcast even if a lot of people didn't. And now it's absolutely amazing to see him hit the absolute form of his life. He's playing with a...
1: It's not just confidence, but it's almost like a, a knowledge that... Ten Hag said this after the uh after the second Leeds match, right? He said something like you know, I told him over the summer that if he gets into like if he gets into the positions, the chances will be there for him. And it's it's like an inherent trust now where you're seeing him get into those positions cuz he knows the chances will come. Um so he's being rewarded for his faith in the manager and the manager's and and really like the manager is being rewarded with the fact that he's in the form of his life and the team is executing how he wants them to execute. Um, I thought the build-up to the goal was fantastic. Casemiro's ball into Fred, and then Fred touches it to Rashford. Um, it, it was as good as it gets. And I mean, his finish there is—it's impossible. Like that's—it's—it's it's, what? What are the odds of finishing at that angle? It's—it's it's an impressive goal. And yeah, I mean, his form right now is—I don't know. Can he get to Ballon d'Or? I don't know. I don't really care. Uh I, I'm just happy to see him play at the level he's playing at because it was I, I was it was hard watching him last year. Um because he's a player that's so easy to root for and last year is just kind of miserable for him. And not just him, the entire team. So to see him bounce back the way he has. I mean, at the very least, you'd have to say, what is he, the is he at worst the third best attacker in the Premier League at this point? Right? It's Holland, it's Kane and it's him. Who else is even up
2: there? Yeah, and you know, and they're both kind of pure strikers as well. Whereas he's, you know, a slightly different kind of player. You'd maybe compare him more to a Salah or somebody like that, who's coming more from your kind of wide positions. But because of needs, he is kind of moving towards being our centre forward. You know, Weghorst has played there a lot recently. Not really out of choice because we had no other option um but then yeah i think ten hag saw that that wasn't working out so brilliantly even though he was doing all the hard work and now dropping him behind i think it's actually working really well yeah i think it's i think it's pretty interesting it's funny when you describe it like that like
1: you know it reminds me of uh, our good friend marwan fulani who was constantly a source of much discussion, but I promise you if Fellaini was in the squad, he would be using him exactly like he's using Weghorst right now. He'd be, I, he'd probably be much better doing that, too. Um, Weghorst is doing what he can. I think it's he's being put in a tough position. It hasn't worked with him at striker. This has worked better. It's still not that clean. But to go back to Rashford, like, yeah, you're right. I mean, he's he's been great inside left, you know, his favorite position, but he's also been great this year as a striker. And how many players in Europe are capable of giving you at least top-class performances in both those positions, right? You're talking about, like, Mbappe, Rashford. I I don't know. I'm sure I'm missing other players, but, like, there's not many. And to have that level of versatility, and not just versatility, but effectiveness at both those positions, um, one, that's something that prior to the season, you know, every time you see Rashford at striker, you're like, well, if we play on the counter, we have a chance, but... Other than that, are we really going to get the goals other in another way? And and now you're seeing like, well, no, we we can and he can. Um, obviously, the threat of him on the counter is still. You can see it when he's running into space. It, these these defenders are are terrified, and you know he he should have drawn a red card yesterday. We didn't even talk about that. That was obvious. That was that was a ridiculous no call, uh, even in real time. I actually so <laughs> I had the choice yesterday of either finding a. Uh, not-so-legal stream in English or watching it on cable TV here with the Spanish uh, broadcast live. Okay. So I chose the Spanish broadcast. Um, I don't know Spanish. Uh, I can make out some words. I could tell that they were very much rooting for Barcelona. And uh, according to them, that was a very tough call for the ref. Not sure I agree with that one. Um, I, thought it was, I thought it was obvious. And, and I think what's frustrating for me is that should be a straight red. That's not like a second yellow red. That should be a straight red. So VAR should be coming in and and telling him to at least look at it. So that that's the part that's very frustrating for me because even if VAR, VAR can't obviously make the call for him, but they should at least flag that up as, hey, this could be a red card. You need to look at this.
2: Yeah, I mean, and Ten Hag did make a big thing of this post-match. He absolutely thought as well it should have been a red card. I mean, it's one of those daft situations where VAR... But I don't know if they even looked at it. I think they looked at it briefly, decided that the foul started outside the area and then just ignored it. Because if it's a penalty or not, that is the way it goes. You don't get VAR doesn't look at yellow cards. It doesn't look at fouls outside the box. But you're right. VAR is there for big decisions. And if it's a red card offence, VAR is there for that. And I think it's another one of these mistakes where you know the VAR room have just gone, right, The offence is outside the box. so it's not a penalty, forget it, play on. And they've totally forgotten about the fact that you say Rashford is clear of him. It's Koundé. He's passed him. He's knocked him. Uh, Rashford is clear through on goal. It's definitely stopping a goal-scoring chance. And yeah, it should have been looked at and it should have been a red card for him and would have made a big difference not just for this game, but the game coming next week as well if he was going to be unavailable over there. Uh, So yeah, yet again, VAR fails miserably. Um, and yeah, look, we had other chances in this game as well. You know, we talk about Veghorst, yeah. and that's where you see that he does lack that bit of quality. He had a, br- a brilliant yeah. chance. Early Bruno on played him in. That, that was. A, you know, yeah. if Martial was fit, he would have scored that. Um, you know, that is the kind of difference. Veghorst is doing a lot of hard work for the team. You see him running everywhere, closing down, and he is okay at that kind of link play, uh, holding it and kind of laying it off. Um, but when it actually comes to a chances for finishing. He actually hasn't had that many. We can't say this is actually one of the first few chances. I'd say, look, he actually missed a pretty easy chance. He, unfortunately, has not had that many chances. And, yeah, I know he has had a goal for us. But, yeah, we're still doing pretty well with him there, though. Like I say, that is the that is the sign of how good a job Ten Hag is doing, that even if Vegost is having to come in, even if, whatever, you know, Fred is coming in and doing a job, uh, he's not first choice, far from it. But yeah, they're still managing to come in, doing off, and we're still pulling out results there. Yeah,
1: I mean, if you look at like the preferred eleven, right? Didn't have Martinez yesterday. Didn't have Eriksen. Didn't have Anthony. Didn't have Martial. Didn't have. I mean, yeah. And then there's obviously knock on. I mean, I guess you could say didn't have deloe He had deloe but you know Dalo's still working his way back from injury. But it's. I mean, it's it's an imp- it's very impressive what he's doing, and like. You know, we didn't have Sabitzer yesterday, so really he couldn't sub out Casemiro or Fred at any point. They just had to play the entire 90. Um, And look, I, I don't know, Fred is, you know, we'll talk about it. It's actually this three-match sequence he's had is like the full Fred experience. But it's like yeah. first match against Leeds is just maybe the worst match of his career at United. Then he plays, you know, just man-of-the-match performance at Leeds. And then yesterday, I thought he, I I saw a lot. I, I read his thread briefly on the on the calf yesterday, and there was a lot of like horrible first half, amazing second half. I didn't think he was horrible first half. I thought he was okay. Like I'm not. He was, but the second half, that man is just his engine is it's something else. He's like he is running around full sprint in the 87th minute. I I, I don't know how he does it in that little body of his, um, but his work rate is. It's again, it's just unparalleled. I have a lot of time for Fred. Um, and I thought, you know, quite honestly, I thought he outplayed De Young. They were operating in similar areas of the pitch, and I thought he, he played better than him yesterday. Um, which isn't to say, like, let's not get Frankie De Young now because Fred is here, but it, I think he's just underappreciated in terms of what he brings as a squad player. And, um, you know, yesterday, that type of match where the, it was like, it was open, right? It wasn't, you know, both teams had spells, but it felt like it could swing either way and and there was a lot of open space. I think those are matches where he really thrives when when there is a little bit more chaos and honestly, when he can kind of help create chaos. So, I mean, do you wish his decision-making and, of course, you wish some of those things would be better, but if those things were better, he wouldn't be like a good squad player, right? He'd be a starting 11 player. Um, What he is is really good for what, we need as a squad. Could we still improve in that position? Absolutely, but um, you know, I, I think I think he he's done really well. I thought Casemiro did really well. Aside from you know the second goal they concede, you have to say that he's done pretty poorly there. Kind of a loose pass and buildup, um, which allows them to turn the ball over, and then Rafinha plays a ball in which you can't you can't do anything about that. That ball is just wicked. Like there's you know any touch on it, it's probably going to score. If you don't get a touch on it, it did score. Like, there's really nothing you can do. So, um, I mean, that was a great ball by him. But again, like, I I just think you. I think out of our nine or ten outfield players, nine of them went the full ninety. You can't question the effort, work rate, any of that stuff. You know, say what you want about execution, but you know, so much of last year, right? You're talking about why the squad, like, nobody's putting the effort, nobody's putting in the hard yards, and and now you're kind of looking at this team and you're like who isn't willing to do those things? You know, like Weghorst maybe didn't... Yeah, Fred and Weghorst
2: are like the absolute epitome of that, that they're players that take a bit of stick because they do lack that bit of quality, but they make up for it with just sheer hard work and determination. I mean, I will say Fred was getting a fair bit of abuse in the pub I was in early on in the match. But then, yeah, he does pull out an assist for that Rashford goal. Uh, As you say, these three games, I mean, he was awful... Bad in that first Leeds game, his passing accuracy was somewhere down in the 60s. But then... 67%. Then in the second Leeds game, I've read something, he made eight tackles, which is the most of any player in the Premier League game for more than three years now. Um, so, you know, that's the kind of you say, you do get the up and down of Fred. We do know that his bottom level is, can be a problem when he's giving it away, when he's making the wrong decisions. But where when he comes out the top level, yeah, he comes out with the man of the match award. Uh, we will take a quick break there on the first part of the show. We'll come back, talk more about this Barcelona game and also those two Leeds matches.
0: Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas.
2: All right, back for part two. So, yeah, we were talking about Fred, and you had, of course, mentioned that second goal of Barcelona. I mean, I'd say that he's a little bit lucky, and, you know, I think that's exactly why their XG is down at 1.3. Because, you know, De Gea did make a couple of saves as well. We can't say, you know, I'm saying we were unlucky to lose this game, but Barca did have other chances. Uh, De Gea makes a couple of saves. That one in particular, though, I think they're a bit lucky. Like you say, it is one of those really dangerous balls, though, that comes in from Rafinha. Uh, you know, it ends up going in the back of the net. What can you do? And that's the way it kind of rolls. But yeah, look, uh, uh, that that was the great thing for me that the players come out from that game feeling disappointed, and we have not had good results. Never mind at the new camp in Spain in general. We, you know, it's been a long, hardly any times that we've actually come out with results from there. We did actually get one just, I think, uh, last season, right? I think it was a a Villarreal or something like that. Was the first time in ages that we're doing it, and then yeah, we have had a couple of results now. But I remember in Fergie years, we had so many games out in Spain and we never come out with results so yeah going out to the new Camp when they're on top top form was a great great thing to see Um, you know we have had a big chat on this before about I've said myself that do we need this Europa League is it too many games all the travel but when you're playing Barcelona when you get a good result it does feel great because it is that big kind of game and you do want it in the end
1: yeah and I mean what you were saying about Fer- even with Ferguson right when we go away to Spain or away in Europe When we were successful in Europe, especially towards the end of his time, it was very much like, we're just here to get the point. If we score something on the counter, great. But we are here to get the point, and then we're going to go to Old Trafford and we'll do you there. Um, This Again, this was just like not that. This was such a more like, we're here for all three points, and we are here to take the game to you. And if that means that we have to risk you know, opening up a bit and giving up some chances on our own, that's fine. We think our quality is better than your quality. And, um, yeah, it was just, I mean, credit to both teams, to be honest. Both teams really went for it, and it made the match all that much better, right? It it was, like, it was just a constant back and forth. But, um, yeah, I I just think uh, looking at this team, like, there's a lot of players now that you're looking at and you're, I mean, how many players would you even say are weak links at this point? Like, you know, you can say, like if you want to say Fred or Veghorst, right, sure. I wouldn't say Fred, Fred is a weak link. I think he's a really good squad player. If you want to say Veghorst is a weak link, like, sure, but that's, like, probably not a player that's going to fit in long term. But you look at the, like, most of the squad, guys that you would, you know, consider being here beyond this season, It's it has the look of a strong squad.
2: And... Yeah. No, and there's two or three who've started that game yesterday. Look, at the start of this season, and even like a few months in, most people thought Aaron Wan-Bissaka was not going to play another game for this club. People were expecting he was going to leave in the winter window because, you know, he didn't play at all in that first section. And he's come in, played really well. And first of all, you just thought he's doing a good job while Dallow's out. But, you know, he's just keeping that space warm for Dallow. But right now, there's a real fight for that right-back spot. He created a couple of really good chances yesterday actually going forward i was like i couldn't
1: believe it and i mean look i know he also had that one where he you know kind of doesn't see Jordi alba and alba gets in on goal but t- he gets back and he actually gets a touch on the ball and he pushes it out but like you know he he's playing well and you're right like there is a fight for that position like you can't just it can't just be like oh dallo is healthy let's just give it back to him now no it's it's like no let him fight for that position and obviously that like it's not the same with that left back position because Shaw is so clearly just on another level um but you can see that he trusts Malacia to come in in situations and do a good job like you know he played he started him against man city he could have started maguire and played you know uh Shaw at left back but he he trusted Malacia i think that says a lot about how he is creating a squad and he's creating competition within the squad like I think if let's say Erickson comes back before this end of the season um, if if the team is in a good spell and Fred is playing well he's not just gonna immediately drop Fred right and bring Erickson back Erickson's gonna have to wait his time and earn his way back and I think it's important to like create that mindset and understanding within the squad that you, you're you only as good as what you what you're currently doing for me I can't I can't depend on you because you had a good season last year. I need to know that you're you're still like you're keeping up those levels. And and that's why City has been as good as they've been under Pep, right? Where it's like like you know this because you play FBL. You can never guess the starting lineup with Pep. You never yeah, know who's yeah. gonna start. Absolutely. And it's and I think that's a big thing. It 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 forces players to be on top of their game. And even with Fergie in the last few years when he was manager, I think there was like a stat where we hadn't started the same 11 in consecutive matches for like three years or something like that with him. Um, so it was like constantly you're having to earn and justify your place in the squad. And that is exactly where you want your players to be at the top level. I think every club at the very top has this, right? Like that's why Madrid, will, they they manage to stay at the top even when they're turning over their squad because they'll look at a play, like they're willing to sell a player a year before the bottom drops out, you know, like they they're willing to take those chances and and it's you're at Madrid. like you have to if you can have a great season, and they might still come in and buy somebody at your spot. So it's that's the competition we need, and I think that's the kind of mindset that he's instilling. and it results in performances like you see yesterday, where you know Vegors, how many times do you think he's played as a ten in his career? You know, like Bruno's playing on the right. Shaw's playing at left center back. You know, it's, it's you're asking guys to do different things and they're stepping up and delivering for you. Um, and yeah, I mean, like, I think Sancho, obviously, I don't think he had a particularly good game. He wasted two really good chances, I thought, one from Juan Basaka um, on a cutback. Maybe it would have been both on, on the other one on a cross. But um, I still think, like, you're seeing more of why you paid for him even though it's not quite all there yet.
2: Well, look, it's just great to be having him back in the fold, playing well. I mean, you know, we can start talking about those couple of Leeds games in a bit more detail now as well. Uh, And obviously in that first game, it's his kind of big redemption day where he's come in off the bench and scored our equaliser. And you kind of feel like, all right, yeah, this is a player who's back for us. And then, yeah, he starts uh, the game after that over there. So, yeah, just having him back at all, it does feel like, you know, that stereotype of, yeah, like a new signing. Um, You know, we really didn't know what was going on with him. We didn't know where he was at in his head. He was obviously having some kind of mental issues. We're still not that clear on what exactly has led to this. But the main thing is he is back in the squad. Uh, He's starting games. I mean, I'm not saying he's on his top, top form or anything like that, but he is contributing. And, yeah, like I say, that goal in that Leeds game, was brilliant and, yeah, got us back, got us that point on that day, basically. Uh, I mean, yeah, look, if we like I say, let's focus on these two Leeds matches that came in between. Oh, it was a weird one because we were going into this kind of new manager bounce yet again or new caretaker manager anyway. I mean, Leeds are still in a weird place where they've not, not managed to sort out their manager situation. Uh, but that first game everybody was expecting we were just going to roll them over because they'd been in awful form, sack Jesse March. I mean, yeah, you. Might, I don't know if you have any extra insight into them because obviously the, U, the American manager, and they've got quite a few USA players in their squad, haven't they? Is it three players, uh, US in the lead squad?
1: Yeah, uh, they have Tyler Adams, they have uh, Aronson, and they have um,
2: McKinney. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so the uh, midfield is the full, like, <laughs> Team USA. But yeah, that, the midfield battle was interesting in that one because, obviously, Casemiro we'd lost uh, with that red card. Ericsson out suspension, so it was the first time we see the Fred-Sabitzer-Freditzer uh, kind of combo. And I do think we kind of struggled a bit with it as they were kind of getting used to it. I mean... Neither of them is really like a natural defensive midfielder. We, we know Fred has done that in the past, but we see him play much better going forward. Uh, and neither of them, we know, are going to be on the level of Casemiro, that's for sure. So, yeah, I do think we kind of struggled a bit in that kind of midfield battle. And, of course, it was the worst, worst start on that first game. Absolutely awful. Yo, what was it, like What 58 seconds or something like that? And we're already down. Um But, yeah, that... Nonto looks like a damn good player and they've pulled him out from somewhere. I don't think they paid much for him at all, but he looks like he's going to be quite a talent. But yeah, we started this game 1-0 down and then Leeds battled well. Leeds battled well, but like you say, that's what you get from the new manager bounce, basically. And time and time again, this happens to us. I see again now, we're going to be playing Leicester on the weekend and they're just suddenly hitting some decent form. Uh, So it does seem to happen to us, but look, I... Coming out on these two games with with that kind of midfield and having four points, I think that is a good result. You normally might have expected the other way round that we might have got the win at home and um, the draw away, but yeah, who cares? I think I think this run of games, two leads, Barcelona to come out with two draws and a win is pretty good given the kind of players we had out, the people who were missing, moving things around, having to travel. I mean, yeah, we have to be pretty happy with this week we've had, right? Yeah, I think so. Um,
1: the first Leeds match, I think even Ten Hag said this, but it was like, we just started poorly in both halves where it just felt like we couldn't... Look, Casemiro's not there. You could tell that was affecting build-up, but we just couldn't get to grips with it. Uh, that cost us a goal at the start of each half. But like over the course of the game, you know, yeah, Fred was poor and there were others that weren't great, but like, I thought we were the better team in the first one and, and we we're unlucky not to win that, but it was good to see, you know, I think what Rashford scored and then Sancho scores an equalizer after going 2-0 down. Uh, that's the type of reaction you want to see. So even within, like, a disappointing result, you're at least seeing that sign, that that positive sign of, like, okay, we couldn't come back and get all three points, but we, we didn't lose to our rivals at home, um, and we didn't let ourselves give up just because... You know, of of really, arguably two bad mistakes that led to their both their goals. So uh, I think that's that's a positive sign. And then the second Leeds match, I didn't think we played very well at all, actually.
2: Um, well, it was, it was nil nil until the 80th minute when we did not yeah. play well at all. Uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah, look at the end of the day, the result wins. I mean, we yeah. actually, yeah, I agree, we played better in the first one, and like XG yeah. shows that we were at two on that one, yeah. and Leeds were only at zero point five. Yeah. Because uh, obviously that first goal is a beauty. And the second goal has a lot of kind of luck with it. Own goal from Rafael Varan yeah, right. over there. I mean Leeds did have other openings. They did actually play relatively well. But we dominated the game really. I think it was something 24 shots we had to eight for them. Uh and then, you know, we were playing catch-up. And then yeah, it was the double substitution where Sancho and Palistri came in around the hour mark that did kind of change the game for us. Vegos uh, goes off, Rashford went up front, Garnaccio came out as well, and yeah, they both did really well. Palistri as well, we shouldn't, he did great when he came on in that game, and yeah, within two minutes of that double sub, we were back at 2-1. And yeah, we were just talking about Rashford and playing more maybe as a centre-forward, you know, two-headed goals, uh, which you don't expect from him that much. I mean, he has scored headers in the past, and I still remember him doing it right on his actual debut way back when. But yeah, something we've not seen as much from him recently as he comes in from the side. But if yeah, if he's now been a player who can actually hit those proper number nine headers, which is maybe what we were expecting to see from Beghorst. Um, but yeah, if it's coming from Rashford now, that's great. I mean, I have seen quite a lot of credit going actually to Benny McCarthy, who's our kind of striker coach nowadays, you know, killed us in the Champions League for Porto back in the day and scored plenty of Premier League goals for Blackburn Rovers over the years as well. But yeah, he has been working. And I think quite a lot of credit has gone to him for trying, yeah, helping Marcus be this proper finisher. But yeah, that was one thing. I had to pick out two-headed goals in those games. Uh, really nice crosses both times as well. I think first one was from uh, Dallow, and then it was Shaw for the second game. But yeah, great to see Rashford adding that in as well. Because, you know, I mean, most that, of his... Yeah. That, that second goal,
1: or the first goal, the opening goal in the second match against Leeds was... That's like a proper striker's finish. He's right on the last, you know, the shoulder to defender. He's playing right on the edge, and he... I mean, that, that finish on the cross... The cross itself is just unbelievable from Shaw. Um, but, I mean, the, that finish is great. And then Garnacho's goal against... Oh, my God. That goal was and it was you know it was awesome to see because he got a lot of stick after the first
2: match which i thought was yeah he did he started that first game and he had a couple of good chances that yeah. wouldn't say were awful but he just kind of yeah didn't quite have the composure to finish them off
1: yeah and it's like he's 18 like i don't know it's just weird like i was critical of him in the, during the match but i don't really get the point of like he was there's just a lot of people like dumping on him after the game and it's like he's 18 like he's going to have matches where he just doesn't play well that's part of that, that just is what it is. Um, but it was so good to see him come back against Leeds away uh, and score the goal he did. I mean, just his pace is electric. And you can see, like, give him two, three years when he fills out and everything. But he is going to be lethal in the box. He is, he looks like he's going to be a fantastic finisher
2: yeah he is a great talent and i like i totally agree it was ridiculous the amount of stick he was getting him in yeah he did have a couple of good chances you know there was one where i thought he should have. he just kind of hits it wide of the post uh the other one he was kind of unlucky where it's cleared off the line i thought he did pretty well but i just think yeah he's doing well to get in those positions and he was obviously upset with himself um, but yeah at his age it's crazy to be kind of uh, criticized him for that well
1: there was a there was a whole conversation about his body language when he got subbed off right and I'm like yeah he's not happy he got subbed off like, I don't, I don't well, know he was he wasn't happy because he knew he should have yeah, scored yeah. that's
2: why he was not happy yeah. so and he shouldn't be happy yeah. uh, I do think in general he's showing to be a better option off the bench for us mm-hmm. rather than when he started I mean and that's kind of normal for a player at that age who's got that kind of skill set uh, you know, when some of the other players are a bit tired, he comes in with half an hour with 20 minutes left and just let him run at them. Whereas sometimes when he's starting the game, you get uh the kind of defense, and I think it was that Luke Ayling uh, who's quite an experienced player and maybe you know kept him a bit quieter in that first game. But uh, yeah, look, you're gonna expect that, you're gonna, and it's Nothing to be ashamed of at all. But yeah, for him then to come in and score that absolute beauty to kill off that game late on the away, in the away game was brilliant. Uh, you know, as uh, we're talking about the XG, the the XG says we were kind of lucky in the away game where we were at 1.3 and Leeds were at 1.9. But hey, um, you know, over the two matches, I think we were well worth four points, if not even like more than that. Yeah, it was not a great performance in the second away game, but that's that's even better that you come out against like your big rivals, don't play that well and come out with the three yeah. points. Yeah, uh, And that was, you know, that was a great day as well for me personally because before it was a weird day. And I had tickets for the women's Super League game that was uh, Tottenham versus Man United at the main Tottenham Stadium. So i would taken my daughter to that. It was a midday kickoff and uh, United women won 2-1. Yeah. And went top of the league at the moment and then straight into the pub from there to watch us versus Leeds and win 2-0. So, yeah, getting the men and women back to back, winning both matches. And at the time, the women went to number one. And at the time, because City hadn't played, we'd gone into second spot in the league. So that was an absolute outstanding day for us United fans. Couldn't have really gone that much better, even if the performance wasn't that great. But yeah, as I say, the women are rolling on great at the moment and are really in a proper like title challenge at the moment, even though we're not necessarily expecting them to win the league. Even for them to be in that shout is brilliant. Uh, and as I say, it was a great away day over there. I think this season is the first time that women's football is actually having like proper away sections. Uh, in the past, if you went to a women's game, everybody just sat wherever. Teams of uh, fans of each side were kind of mixed together. But now... This season, especially the Man United Women's Supporters Club, have been pushing to be getting away sections. And because it was in the main Tottenham Stadium, we had quite a good allocation. And I'd say there was two, maybe even 3,000 kind of United fans in there for the women's match. Uh, mostly a kind of, yeah, family-ish atmosphere. A lot of people like myself bringing their young children. But yeah, there was a hardcore, I think the women's have their own hardcore fans towards the back of the stand who were singing all match. So it is great to see how that rolls on as well. Um, But yeah, uh, uh, great day for me, as I said. Watch the women win, go top of the league, then get in the pub and watch us beat Leeds in the War of the Roses. It couldn't have really gone that much better. And then, yeah, there was also other good results on the weekend for us. You know, we're feeling a bit more kind of comfortable in top four at the moment. Yeah, just looking at it, um, what Spurs
1: dropped, I mean, they didn't just lose. Benton Coors is out for the season. He tore his ACL. Uh, I think Basuma's already out. And then... Um, their other midfielder, why can't I think, or somebody else is already, they have another serious, oh, uh, Louris, Louris is out too, uh, for six to eight weeks, and then on top of that, I think Conte now, said he's going to miss, another few matches, because he's recovering still from, whatever surgery, he had gallbladder surgery, I think he had, so, Spurs are not necessarily, in great, in a great position, um, Newcastle have a game in hand on us, but five points back, I think they, they drew, was it to, uh, who was it to, was it to, Burnmouth? Yeah, I think they drew to Burnmouth. And then, um, obviously, Arsenal's, uh, Arsenal deciding to go full Arsenal over the last three matches has been very fun to watch uh, from afar. You know, losing, drawing, losing again. The classic Arsenal uh, January or February collapses here. Um, The the January champions no longer. (laughs) uh, But, yeah, I mean, you would Think that top four is on here. I mean,
2: oh, it's definitely yeah. I wouldn't say it's done and dusted, but yeah, we're looking pretty comfortable. And we've got we've got like
1: wh- what do we have left? We have we have Newcastle away, we have Spurs away, we have Chelsea at home, and we have Liverpool away. Right, those are the big <laughs> matches we have away or left. Like you would think, given the run of matches we have, and we we do have Brighton away, which is probably a that's a that's a good that's a tough fixture but you would think that we should be getting top four in the league pretty easily at this point.
2: We do looking good now. I mean, uh, well, actually, let's take a quick break there, come back for the last part of the show and talk about top four, where we're going and our kind of running for the season now. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice So, yeah, back for part three, the last part of the show. So, yeah, look, we're talking about top four. For the last couple of shows, we've chatted a lot about our crazy fixture list. Is it going to bite us if we're not rotating? Can we roll on in all these competitions? And, yeah, one of the big things is going to be if we're looking a bit more kind of solid in top four, then maybe we don't have to go... 100% out in every one of those league games and he can, you know, make a couple of changes here and there because that still has to be our big priority. You know, at the start of the season, you'd say the number one expectation was to get back finishing top four, which obviously we didn't do last season, even though we did do the two seasons before that with a second and third finish. Uh, But that was the number one priority. And then if you can go on a cup run uh, and it's going from there and, uh, you know, we're not far away now, of course, from the Carabao Cup final, so, yeah, we're already at Wembley for that one. And, yeah, I was very happy to get my ticket confirmed in the ballot for that. So, yeah, excited to be going back to uh, Wembley after quite a few years. But yeah, if, like I say... You, we we had a big chats about these, and you know, you went on that sh- these couple of shows, so would be interested in your opinion on it because we were talking about look, do we have the squad to fight for all these four tournaments? If you don't think we do, which is the priorities? Would you prioritize the Europa League, the FA Cup? So you know, where are you kind of on that? First of all, do you think our squad is strong enough for us to be fighting for all these trophies?
1: Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, it's not even. It, it's just you don't have the depth and. In- like the midfield depth is just not there. That's the biggest thing for me. You could maybe get away with not having a proper 9 and I I think the defense is actually fine. I think we have good depth there. But, you know, forward positions, can you get by with playing some of these younger guys on the wing and probably, but the midfield is just it's just not there. You know, like we saw yesterday, Eriksson out, Sabitzer out. There's the only option he has to go to off the bench is what Mainu Manu? and Iqbal. Yeah.
2: And maybe yeah, and like, Lindelof can play defensive midfield. Right.
1: Yeah. It's just, it's just not something you want to do. I mean, he's already having to put Vegvors to 10 to, to accommodate. Like, it's just, it's not, it's not enough. Uh, if I know, I, I listened to that pod. It's like logically the one that you would, the logical one that you'd want to go out of is Europa. But like, I, especially if we win the League Cup, I don't give a shit about the FA Cup. I really don't. Um, not this year, and there is something to, like, if you're developing a squad, which Ten Hag is doing and trying to instill things in them, there is a value, I think, to get, like, the experience of having to play midweek and then having to play at the weekend and then having to play at midweek and having to play at the weekend and having that experience through the back half of a a season. Um, I do think there's value to that. But logically, that's the one you'd want to go out of because we've seen over time there's a history for whatever reason that teams that play on Thursdays suffer more than if, even if you play on Wednesday and the weekend, like that, that Thursday, Sunday turnaround for whatever reason is much, has much worse results than Wednesday, Saturday. Um, so logically that's the one you don't want to go out of, but there is like, you know, Europe's fun. It's fun to have games in the middle of the week. It's fun to, I'm sure it's fun for the fans to travel to random places. Um, you know, I I would be hard pressed. I mean, it'd be fun to like you could play Arsenal in a two-leg tie in Europa League, you know? Things like that. No, and yeah, and if we
2: beat Barcelona, uh you kind of look at what teams are gonna be left in this competition. And I think, yeah, we should be look probably I think we'll come out being the favourites to win this if if we beat Barcelona. I mean, all right, you know, Arsenal I think, are still in there. Yeah. There's a couple of other teams as well who would be difficult to go past but uh, you know think I, in, is in, I think is Inter in it or no I don't think they are Actually, forget I myself because I've seen the kind of you know list off this playoff round but there's obviously the other teams who are still in it as well who will come back in on the next round I mean that was the crazy thing that we've had this extra two matches because we came second in the group which is a big part of our kind of fixture pileup and why you know a team like Arsenal are not playing this round and have got so many less games than us uh, but Yeah. whatever I say that, look, we've got too many games, we don't need the travel. As soon as you start playing Barcelona, as soon as you have a 2-2 draw away, you think, look, obviously, we want to go home now, finish that job and go to the next round. I mean, even though I do often say, listen, we can't have all these matches, I want to think we have to sacrifice something. You never want to lose a game. Uh, You know, the ideal scenario for me would be to put out like a heavily rotated team against West Ham in the cup. And if we win, great, I'm happy to keep going in that cup, but give people a rest. And hopefully like, you know, some of the more fringe players get a run out and if they can do the business, great, keep going. I never want to lose a match uh, because I did have a couple, I've written a couple of these things on Twitter and had some people saying, oh, I can't believe you want us to lose. I can't believe it's not the right mentality. I said, no, listen, you're getting me wrong. I do not want to lose. I do not want to go out of the cup. But I'm saying that one, maybe it's not going to be like the worst thing in the world if we did go out to Barca or if we did go out to West Ham just to free up Uh, some kind of free weekends and things like that to give us a bit of a breather. But yeah, I'd be quite happy to keep going in all these tournaments as long as there's a bit more rotation, keeping players fresh for the big games that are coming. I mean, at the moment, of course... We've, we shouldn't think this Leicester game is coming up on the weekend, and we kind of a lot of people are kind of ignoring that Leicester at home and again, thinking yeah. oh, that's an easy three points. Because after that, we've of course got the big match against Barcelona, and after that, it's the cup final against Newcastle. But yeah, we shouldn't ignore Leicester, especially because they're suddenly banged into form and uh, they've had two or maybe even three wins in a row now. I think, yeah, and and the Leicester
1: you're right, Leicester has found a little bit of form. Um, so you want to this is this is like a i don't want to say it's tricky but it's one where you need to be very cognizant of what their strengths are and and just be professional be professional uh take care of the business a nice 2-0 win will do uh it's not it's actually somewhat of a benefit that Mar- martinez will definitely start this match 100% i'm sure he'll be raring to go after missing uh the barca match and it will
2: be Casemiro's last game of his suspension. Right. Uh, so Sabitzer comes
1: back in. Um so like we just need to make sure we can get through this match, get the three points, doesn't matter how. Doesn't it doesn't need to look pretty. Just get through it. Get through it, get the three points and then move on because yeah, without Casemiro you're kind of I mean it's crazy the level that our midfield play just drops without him. Um but I guess it's not that crazy because we've seen it. <laughs> we saw it last year. We saw it the year before. So um, we just have to get through it. We just have to get through it, find a way anyway. It doesn't matter how. And yeah, and then we can move on.
2: Yeah. And as I say, then, then it we have is the cup final too. Barcelona coming to Old Trafford. Uh, you know, everybody's bang up for this. There's been well, it, huge it's a massive week. fights over it. It's Barca, and then, the, and then yeah. we have the league cup final too. Oh, exactly. Exactly. And a lot of people scrambling around for tickets. Uh, You know, I always find it quite sad, but that people are, I've seen people posting out tickets being touted for like a thousand pounds. That's like, you know, a £50 face value or something. But I guess that's just the way things are nowadays. Uh, Especially, yeah, we haven't been to Wembley for a long time. We've not had this kind of big European matchup for a long time either. Uh, So, yeah, people are still. Desperate, desperate for those tickets. But yeah, I'm quite happy that I've got a ticket for both of those <laughs> games and will be there. I um, only just had confirmed where, to trying to work out exactly where in Wembley my ticket is, I think, behind the goal. Uh, first time in years and years that Wembley is going to have a standing section. And um, I'm not quite in that, but I think I'm going to be just in front of it. But I kind of still need to work out exactly where my tickets are for that one. But no, and then after that, you know, it doesn't get any easier either because, yeah, we're very quickly going to be going to Anfield. Uh, We do have in the middle that West Ham Cup game as well. But then, yeah, as you say, matches like in March, you've got Liverpool, Brighton, Newcastle away and none of those are going to be easy at all.
1: Well, Liverpool might be. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you'd hope so. And as, like I said, on the last couple of shows, we should take a moment to have a good <laughs> laugh at Liverpool every week. I know they did beat Everton, but still, like they're way down there. So are Chelsea. You know, When we're talking about top four, those teams are really struggling. And I said on the last show that maybe only Tottenham are the ones who might come and start having some kind of say in that top four race. But yeah, they got hammered off uh, Leicester last week themselves. So yeah, that that kind of position in top four does make us feel a bit more comfortable. Then look, I'll ask you another question though. Now with Arsenal losing, are we back in the title race? Are we in this title race? I think this is
1: where like, looking at the table, you'd say we're in the title race, but with, just with the squad we have, I I don't know how we can do it. It would would take, I think we'd have to go out of Europa, and then I think we'd have to go out of the the FA Cup. Like I, I just don't know how we have the squad. The challenge if you know if we go to europa i could say conceivably but if we're in europa i just i don't think we have the squad for it
2: yeah i kind of agree with that and that's like i say that's where the points where you just say we can't do everything um i mean and it was a weird game that arsenal versus manchester city was one of those where you're like what what is the best result for us and, you know, in a way, it is funny to see the wheels come off Arsenal and we talk about, you know, the Gooners bottling it every <laughs> February coming round again. But on a personal level, if it's not us, then I would prefer Arsenal to be winning the league than Manchester City. Uh, you know, a lot of that is to do with the fact that Manchester City are going for that three in a row and, you know, Alex Vergan is still the only manager who's done that. Pep Guardiola came close once before and they didn't manage it. This is, again, he's coming for that three in a row and I would like Manchester United and Alex Ferguson to still keep being the only ones who've ever done that. So that's why my preference would still be Arsenal to win the league over Manchester City. But then, yeah, you look at it and say, look, if Manchester City are in the race, we are not that far behind. Uh, You know, a couple of good results here and there could put us back in it. But we do have a pretty hefty, like I said, March coming up in the league with away games at Anfield, Brighton and Newcastle. So, yeah, we see where we go. And in between that, we have to see what kind of cup games we have as well, depending on what we get yeah. through. Um, but, yeah, look, this has been a good week. We cannot have expected that much more. Uh, as I said, maybe we could have. There was slight disappointment at only coming away with a draw at Barcelona. And we should have probably beaten Leeds in that first game. But I'd say over the two games that four points was a fair result for us. And look, as you say, Leicester in the middle. But then, yeah, big, big week with uh, Barcelona and that cup final. I mean, I'm not sure exactly when we'll record next. We'll probably try and do it after Barcelona, but it might end up being after Newcastle. We'll see if we can throw one in before that. We will obviously definitely be back after the Carabao Cup final. I mean, I had mentioned this on a past podcast, that between getting to this final, we have played six matches And Newcastle have only had three in the meantime. So they're going to be a lot fresher than us. And this is the thing that did worry me. But this week, we've already got through. And maybe we can get a couple of those injured players back. I don't know, you know, where the likes of McTominay, Anthony, uh, Martial are at, and whether they're going to have any involvement in this next big week of ours.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the big thing with Newcastle isn't just that they played less matches. It's that they've had... They're going to have a full week to prepare um, for us tactically. So... That's obviously, you know, look, at the end of the day, we're Man United. We should go into the final. We should beat the shit out of Newcastle. That should should be the expectation. Um, Will it be like that? I don't know. They have been a very stout defensive team. But I suspect that uh, they may be coming down to earth. So I think we will win the cup final.
2: Well, I hope so. Like I say, yeah, 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 I've said it on a past podcast, I used to often take some of these cup finals and trips to Wembley for granted because under Ferguson, you know, it was like every year. <laughs> and you're like, oh, yeah, we're going to Wembley again. And, uh, you know, I went to several of them, but uh, did get a bit spoilt by it. But, yeah, now I'm massively looking forward to a big day out at Wembley. So the last one you and, went to you know, was uh, the, the uh, Lingard winner, right? I went to, yeah, the one with uh, Van Hal when, you know, Van Hal got sacked while we were waiting in the queue to get on the tube after the match. I still remember that, you know, we're celebrating and then you hear that Van Hal more or less got fired. But yeah, and then we did, of course, go to Wembley under Mourinho as well where he won the League Cup that year, but I didn't actually go to that one. And then we have been back there because I think there was um, FA Cup final, maybe the uh, semi-final that we lost. So we have been back at Wembley, but not back in a final. Uh, and yeah, you know, you talk about Cup Finals and you, yeah, you mentioned that Jesse Lingard did score for us in both of those Cup Finals. Yeah, he did. Uh, you know, a player now that I know is definitely not one of your favourites and a lot of United fans laugh at. But yeah, there was a time when he was scoring big goals for us in Cup Finals, which seems a lifetime ago. But yeah, it, that did happen. That did happen. Uh, but yeah, look, fingers crossed, like I say, a big week. We should not take Leicester for granted. But then, yeah, Barcelona, big Cup Final. And yeah, we will be back after that. Uh, I think that's it for now as I said well done as well to United Women again as I said I enjoyed very much going to seeing them win that game Uh, they also had a reprieve for Ella Toon who was sent off in that match but managed to get her red card rescinded I think the women's team seemed to get a lot more favourites from the FA than the men's team do because I wasn't expecting that and yeah they're top of the league and they're Define expectations as well, because they were looking happy just to kind of finish top three this season. So yeah, let's see. We'll keep everybody updated with how the men and the women are going for the rest of the season. We will be back possibly after Barcelona, but definitely after Newcastle. Uh, good night from now, and see you then.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.
2: Without the ones like you who
1: work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.